that your emotions are clues and you are a detective, it changes the whole ball game that go, I was actually, you know, envious of this person. Le- figure out where your envy leads you because it's probably going to lead you to a place of what you feel like you're deficient in, right? So you use it as a clue, not as a, a knock on you too. But I think with all that, suppression is just the easier game to play. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule, and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with Moms Without Capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes. We have today on the Moms Without Capes podcast, Dr. Shahana Alibi. Welcome to the show, Shahana. Thanks for having me. So Shahana is a a TEDx speaker, a family physician, and a mental health expert. She works with various organizations to help people gain clarity into their mental health. And she has created an innovative program called Think Like a Doc to educate youth about their physical and mental health. Shahana is a lead physician at one of British Columbia's largest health, largest youth health centers. That's like a tongue twister for me (laughs) and has volunteered her time to improve mental health in developing countries. Her insights are highly sought after. And in today's interview, Shahana will be sharing with us about emotional literacy and why tapping into our emotions is so important to so many areas of our life, but especially for our own self-acceptance. So I'm glad to have you on the show and to be diving into this important conversation. So exciting. Well, before we do that, though, would you mind sharing with us more about your journey and what got you to be where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't think there is, first of all, a better name for a podcast that that you have. So I think uh, congrats on that, because I don't even off era when we were talking about this offline I think even coming to a stage like this where you're chatting with a fellow mom first of all you feel so understood so I just want to say to all the listeners you're doing it you're doing a great job I think we're doing one of the I think I know we're doing one of the hardest jobs is in the world um it's not nine to nine it is literally all day every day relentless too and yet it brings some of the greatest rewards when you least expect it I think for me, though, motherhood, now that I look back on um, when I was in medical school, the constant joke was that everyone wanted to specialize in something, whether it be gynecology, orthopedics, oncology, my specialty wanted to be motherhood. That's all I talked about. I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom. And now when I look back, I think part of it was that my mom gave me such a beautiful, fantastical look at what motherhood was going to be like. You strap on an apron, you bake some cookies, everything is beautiful. And That was, who knows if that was actually illusion or a disillusion of hers, but that's what she really believed motherhood to be like. And watching childhood videos, 
Uh, it certainly seemed like that with the music playing in the background to boot. It's um, like an idealistic show. <laughs> I'm like, well, who doesn't want this? Give me some right. and we're we're good to go. So that's what I craved. And I think to be honest, the more medical school and residency wore me down physically, mentally, emotionally, any facet of your being, the more I wanted this on the other end as a part, probably maybe to save me, to make me feel whole again. You know, I think we enter motherhood and I'm going to be very honest. I think I entered with a very different notion of what it really actually was. So, of course, when I had the experience that I had, I had the birth plan. I always joke it was a laminated birth plan that don't you be changing <laughs> this birth plan. And within 72 hours, the beautiful, you know, medication free vaginal delivery with perfect breastfeeding went out the window. Right. And from I the very start, your expectations <laughs> were like, uh, exactly. no, just, this is a lesson you're going to need throughout your next 18 this is, years. <laughs> this is okay. We are, this is the start of being, I know nothing. I'm yeah. a very humbled human being. And I think coming from a world where a textbook taught you everything in motherhood. Unfortunately, a textbook teaches you nothing. Right. And I remember preparing for motherhood, literally reading about the best quality stroller and the best quality diaper bag that did not get me very far at all. Too. <laughs> so uh, long, long, long story short, it was the more embarrassing. I think the part of the story is that I actually ended up suffering with what's called postpartum OCD. And I say embarrassing because for the longest time, I was on about 40 podcasts last year, and I always said postpartum anxiety because it's yeah. easy to say right. anxiety. Right. The truth was that it, it, it wasn't. It was post, it was, it's, you know, it falls under the same sort of umbrella, or at least it used to. But postpartum OCD is a whole nother beast. Um, it has a lot of shame and stigma and misunderstanding attached to it. But now I say the words because we know that as many as you know, eight to 10% of women might experience postpartum OCD, especially in the first six months. And if you don't use the words, nobody knows what you're talking about. Right. So that peppered my story in a really significant way, because that only contributed to the feeling of worthlessness, guilt, and that bottom, bottom line, I I'm, wasn't cut out to be a mom, right? Because right. if you really boil right. it down, you really take out your underline and highlighter. That is what it comes down to that. This is what you suck at. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, and that, I think that was the impetus for leading to my Ted talk in 2019, where I stood on that stage. I called myself a hypocrite because here I was, I could put on my heels, go out to work four months postpartum. Mm -hmm. I was running away from what was going on at home. Right felt I could function better in the outside world. And here I was helping people with their mental health and completely dissolving in my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a familiar story. That's a familiar yeah. story. Like even now the work that I do, there's so many times that I'm like, how am I helping moms like with the overwhelm when I'm struggling as well? And that Absolutely. feeling of a hypocrite comes Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Oh, exactly. I was just going to say, mm. it's just like, you might as well wear one of those like birthday hats and write imposter syndrome. Right. It's, right. That's what it feels like. But yeah, now looking back, I'm like, you know, I can't admit that I was running away. And I think when you run away, you run towards something that's familiar. And mm. that's what I did too. But in all, all, all of that, it was this idea that now I call mental health, not a you disease, not a me disease. It's meant for all of us, meant for right. all. Of us. Right. And it's the great equalizer amongst mm -hmm. all of us. No matter your, 
your status, no matter your privilege, no matter your education, you can have as many PhDs or letters behind your name and none of us are immune. Right. So that was the, uh, once again, just like motherhood was humbling, going mm -hmm. through that journey was, I think, equally as humbling. But I had to figure out, for me, it was this idea that I can tell my patients, go for counseling, here's some medication, mm -hmm. and I'm the one that tinkers with the medication, and you see me with the prescriptions. And that's a whole art and science of itself. But to be honest, I felt like I was seeing the same patient in a different body every single time. It was the right. same story, same thing. And I got to wondering, especially these are, these are kids, mm -hmm. 14, 15, 16, like what else could, should we be doing? Not just me, but as a society as a whole. And that's where emotional literacy came into play. And then I soon discovered that, oh, I know nothing about emotional literacy. Yeah. Yeah. And as a mom, especially, I think, you know, just when you see those two lines on the pregnancy test get go positive, <laughs> or I think you should also go, here's a manual in emotional literacy, because right. you are the test every second of every day. Right. Forget the what's to expect when expecting. Oh, <laughs> like, it's like what to expect here and here, right? So, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's been my journey. So on that note, yeah. can you share with us especially listeners who may not have been who are not familiar with what the terms emotional literacy is, what that encompasses. Of course. Yeah. So emotional literacy probably got its claim to fame probably around the 1970s when the emotional intelligence book was released by Dr. Daniel Goleman. And it was, I think at that time, even for decades beforehand, it was really thought that emotions, I call them that they were just stumbling blocks. They were just cumbersome, that the emotions were used to trip you up. And I always say emotions are not used to trip you. They're used to teach you. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think for the longest time, it was thought that emotions are just a nuisance until came this language around actually emotional literacy. So that is the ability not just to be self-aware, figuring out how you're feeling, why you're feeling mm -hmm. that way. But to be able to do it in someone else, use both of those in pieces of information to communicate effectively, right? So there is five different pillars with self-awareness, I think, being probably the starting point and the most important pillar for individual um, for an individual. I think in schools, we always talk about SEL or social emotional learning. They do a great job of communication, trying to get the kids mm -hmm. like, you know, what does good communication look like? But building the skills of true self-awareness is a really, it's, it can be right. tricky. It can be hard. And if you've had no exposure until you're an adult, which would be the case for many of us, I think it's almost a concept that I always talk about emotional literacy as as much unlearning as it is learning. You have to unlearn all the ways that you, you know, are thinking or coping. And part of that is just to be create some space from your thoughts because we're so used to being our worst critic. I I had a patient the other day who said it so beautifully and he's like, why do I hate myself? Like he was literally really curious about this. He's like, everyone is so nice to me. Everyone says I can do it. He's like, there's one person that says I won't graduate and that's me. And I said, you've had practice. You've had practice doing it right? It's also a survival skill because if you say you can't do it and you don't do it, perfect. It keeps you safe. You save face. So all of these things. So I think the core, if you think about emotional literacy, which I was just explaining is the, the foundation is how to become more self-aware. And I think the missing piece, which is, we were talking offline that 
Uh, hopefully there'll be a book released on this in the spring of 2024. But the premise that I bring to the book is that in order to become self-aware, it's like me trying to clean up a dirty closet. Like no one wants to do that. No one wants to look inside and be like, oh, shoot, there's 40 years of stuff I have to look at. You just close it and move on. Um, so to be self-aware, you have to have an iota of self-acknowledgement. And self-acknowledgement is the process of looking back in time and say, oh, I've come far. I've actually, you know, those are the things that I've actually come through and I've come through harder things. And what were the skills that taught me? And I think I do this a lot for adolescents because for them, the moment is everything. They put a magnifying glass on the moment and they look back in time. But it wasn't until one of my teens told me, one of my patients, I should say, that I, you know, used to be addicted to everything at age 14, his dad gave him, you know, heroin actually for the first time. And it was a horrible spiral. And now he's about 18 he drinks a lot and he vapes and he's like, I, I can't quit. Like I'm really trying. But I said, look at how many things you have stopped. Like it was a beautiful example of just take a second to look back. I get it. I'm going to help you support you through this. But, and he kind of goes, oh yeah. Like, you know, I, I do have skills. I, cause not all of us are born to parents or coaches or teachers who tell us you're worth it. You can do it. You got this. So if you don't have that fortune, you have to build that in for yourself. Right, right. And that self-compassion is huge. Oh, When yeah. you were talking about the the patient you have, I was going to say client as a counselor, yeah. they're my clients. Yeah. But um, when you're patient and like saying, why do I hate myself? Like I refer to her, I refer to, because I work with moms as mm. your inner mean girl and how we're so self-critical and that self-reflection piece is huge to be able to say i did it like give yourself credit because we rarely do that like it takes that objectivity like it takes that separate like separating ourselves from like that current moment to say hey i did it i keep a chart right next to my desk that says i do hard things and it's those things like just giving yourself credit like acknowledging that you have done it, like that you've got skills, you've got qualities that have got you to this point. I think you've hit the nail. Like when it comes to ever, I kept asking like, what, and I'm, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a mom of three young boys too. And I share part of my story. And I always say like, it's not that, you know, the the OCD or the anxiety or the depression ever goes away completely. Mm -hmm. It's not like I give you an antibiotic cream and it's the the, the rash is gone and you're good. (laughs) These things can ebb and flow. And I think, well, that's, that's my story at least too. So when I really thought to myself, like, what do I want? Like, what do I act? And I think it was acknowledgement and I wasn't getting it for myself. So what do you do? You start trying to get it from somewhere else. And that comes out as significance. Give me significance of some type. Social media has only added fuel to that fire because oh, if I gosh, get it yeah. from my partner, I'll get it from my posts and I'll get it from my likes and I'll get it from, and if those things don't happen, that little vessel of self-acknowledgement, self-identity suddenly shrivels into nothingness too. So right. I think there's a rehearsal component to all of this and it's not meant to add more work or more task mm. onto any mother or parent, but it's just to say that. Like I see you and I acknowledge you and I, and I validation. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a, a basic human need is like needing that validation to, to go back to like, I am enough. 
Yes. Right. Cause there's so many things that are telling us that we are not enough and it's just keeping us like constantly feeling inadequate. Yeah. And so yeah. we need to make sure like we're intentional about getting that validation that we desperately need to grow. Well, completely. And I think we, you know, we talk so much about self-care, self-care, self-care. And I was thinking about this so much. I think true self-care is being able to monitor your guilt meter. Right. I think that's, that's what it is. Like, I know that's for me. I, Ariana Huffington says it best. So when they take the baby out, they put the guilt in. Yes. Because there's no guilt there. You know, you're at work. You feel guilty for not being at mm-hmm. home. Oh, you know, I should be providing for my family. Like yes. it really, I'll never forget. I think I was maybe six or seven months postpartum. I was at work and one of my patients says, who's looking after your baby? I went back to uh, back back home and then one of the patients had called and says, why isn't she looking after her patients? You know, like that's kind of the thing. Like you're just never gonna, you're never gonna win. So I think because when you do engage in those acts and those acts of self-care, first of all, maybe it shouldn't be acts. It should be ubiquitous mm. throughout, throughout your life if you right. can manage that. But I think that idea that when you, when you do go out for a walk, when you do go to that Zumba class, whenever you do do you, you do it with the feeling that, I'm worth it. This is making me, it's it's a beautiful expression that, you know, I'm giving my kids the best of me, not the rest of me. Right. 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 And you, and you do deserve that as well too. But I think motherhood is, is built around hypervigilance. And I think that was, you needed to have that when you by have design, a, yeah. by design, by design. Yeah. But I know for myself firsthand that we don't know when to let that hypervigilance go. Right. right. That's so funny that you mentioned the Zumba class because that's part of my story. I was like, do you know my story? <laughs> when, when I had um first started like recognizing that things don't have to be perfect, that I was yeah. able to step out of the house and like, like, like all of the things, right. Oh, yeah. Like letting go of that perfectionism and the guilt and like starting to like deal with all that that was what actually pulled me out of the house. Like I was like, I wanted to go to a Zumba class. And then like one night it felt like all the stars lined up and I was able to go. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. And it it kept me going back. Like, And that was really that. And it had to do with like the guilt, like letting that go and recognizing like I was worthy. I was, I was worthy of prioritizing. So when you said the Zumba, I'm like, no, I think, I think there's something also inbuilt in Zumba where you, um, you go and I'm, I'm, I'm not a good dancer by any means. So I felt like a complete (laughs) idiot too, but it's, I think everybody does. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that's That's my design. Right. So, but it's allowing your, because you, when you become a mom, I think it's this idea, you get so rigid, right? You get so mm-hmm. rigid, everything has to be, because your life for so long is around, did they poop? Did they eat? Did they nap? Yes. Did they poop? Like, you know, everything right. is just kind of clockwork. Right. And to let yourself go in that physicality of dance or whatever, I think, yeah, that's a really nice expression of, yeah, just be doing for something yourself. different. Yeah, mm-hmm. something different too. So, but I think all of this and it's so interesting because us, and it's, you know, this is moms, dads, anybody who, who parents kids too, but our kids, our kids are also watching our reactions to things. Mm-hmm. And I think we live almost on a tightrope where we feel like we, you know, have to be almost so perfect around our kids or yeah. words. In fact, the opposite is true. Like show emotions to your kids, mm-hmm. show when you're frustrated and label it. You know, mommy's feeling right. so feeling not not mom you you are you are not frustrated you're feeling whatever so yes. it implies that it 
it comes and goes just the other day, my, my five-year-old, oh boy, just learned the word, you know, hate, of course. So, you know, my husband came home and did something and I hate daddy. I hate daddy. And then about an hour later, I I love daddy. I I was like, wow, that's a 180 for you. And it was a beautiful time to go. Yeah. You know, sweetie, like emotions come and emotions go They're energy in motion. So just like this whole new, not so much new fad, but the whole idea of cold plunges and cold showers, Mm -hmm. we do them to get uncomfortable, right? To practice in a controlled setting. Emotions are, we hate being uncomfortable. So we don't do it. So we do three things. You suppress your emotions, you deny them, or I blame you. It's your fault. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For a long time, like just what you just said about like putting like in front of your kids, like not wanting to show the emotions. That was me for a really long time, like putting that facade and saying like, you know, I I didn't want to suppress them because I felt like this is what I needed to do in order to be the best mom in yes. order to be. I, and all I can picture is like your mom and you're saying like at the apron and stuff like that was me. Like I was making my own spaghetti and like, you know, like doing all the things that I thought that this great, like this ideal mom should be yes. like and yes. not showing emotions was something like with the smile on my face kind of thing. And until I was able to let go and like really get in touch with who I was and face that un- discomfort, that was when I was able to be my true self Absolutely. and, and then realize just what you just said. Like, that's who our kids need. That's who they need. They need us as like real, like we were, we were, they were given to us like, because we are the perfect parent for them. And like exactly. being able to be express, express ourselves and be ourselves is so important. And you know what? It's so funny. Cause sometimes I'll talk to my kids like, and if, yeah, of course it has to be age appropriate and whatnot, but like you might have a little dilemma going on and, you talk to your kids like, you know, this happened at work or this happened with a, you know, patient or whatnot. Like, you know, what do you think mommy should do? And they will give you the best answers. And it's a really wonderful way. I was just talking to some parents from a school board just uh, in Toronto the other day too. And we were having this conversation going, actually, that is a great way to role play. That is a, when you're in the car and it doesn't take long to say, how was your day? Good. And then it's silent the rest of the way. (laughs) But when you're there, (laughs) like, you're like, and anything else? (laughs) Um, Gotta be something new. (laughs) Give me me anything. Like what color did your best friend wear today? Um, But it was, yeah, like using that as like, you know, this and this happened, like, what would you do if you were Johnny in that situation? What would you, what do you think Susie would feel about that? And it's amazing how that gets them chatting because when you put them in a position of authority, like giving them really valuing their experience, because when they're in it, when they're, you know, hitting and kicking and tantruming all the time, they're too in it to see their own emotions. But just like us, I, you know, you either can be living in the lightning storm or you can be watching it from your window, but we're so used to getting wet all the time. So we don't know the difference too. Right. right? So, but it's interesting. Yeah. How, what do you think prevents, I mean, you said about the discomfort, but what do you think prevents women, especially um, from getting in touch with their emotions, like from expressing or from even acknowledging what it is that they're feeling? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think we're socialized to be people pleasers. That's true. I think that, I think that's a huge thing that we're not, we're conflict for, for the most part, like, and this is obviously, I'm talking a very gender specific lens, but just from a socialization point mm-hmm. of view, conflict avoiders, people pleasers. And part of that, I think the easiest route to all of that is that the first time your parent, teacher, coach, maybe says something that makes you feel a, an emotion that's not 
that's the other thing I should mention is there's no such thing as a good or bad no. emotion. You know, I grew up that I thought that I wasn't allowed to feel things like resentment and frustration and anger that made me a bad person. And that's completely right. a fallacy. If you understand that your emotions are clues and you are a detective, it changes the whole ball game that go, I was actually, you know, envious of this person. Le figure out where your envy leads you because it's probably going to lead you to a place of what you feel like you're deficient in, right? So you use it as a clue, not as a, a knock on you too. But I think with all that, suppression is just the easier game to play, mm -hmm. right? So that you just- Like you that safer way. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because we're used to, you know, putting on the right shoes, walking out the door, having it all. Because we also get- accolades and we also get a lot of esteem for holding it all together mm -hmm. right yeah so it's the mom that oh like I love it how sometimes these bios it's dads will say you know I'm this business owner and this CEO and a multi-million dollars and I have five children I'm thinking like why is that at the end of the list yeah. <laughs> someone must be taking care of those five kids too like we need to move that up to the front because mm -hmm. that is the the hardest 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 job that there right. is so I think it comes from a very innate place of, of survival too. And then this need, social media has only made us want to be perfect even more. And if it's not perfect for us, it's like, I got to be perfect for my kids. And I got to have my kids in, you know, three and a half sports a week. Yes. <laughs> and I, I feel it. My kids are only three, five, and seven, but already that slippery slope of, oh, oh what, what are they into? What, what extracurriculars are they doing? What are they doing? And um, that same, the way that you grew up, if, if it was that idea that it was, and I knew I came from parents who were refugees to this country, education was strongly kind of valued and sourced, but there is a little bit of that in our culture is like, what is going to get you ahead and how can you move your right. kid ahead? And I think you start to play that game very, very early on too. So I think from a survival point of view, we often take the last seat on the bus. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and the funny part is that it's until, until when, until, mm -hmm. and does it have to be until when, until you have a breakdown, until you feel like you can't function anymore until, you know, and oftentimes we mask it because there are very socially acceptable habits, i.e. drinking that work be right. beautifully in the short term, but right. in the long term, not so much. Right. Yeah. So, right. but once again, it's looking at that closet and, and having the energy to be self-aware because it does take energy. It really yeah. does. Yeah. Does. But you have to know that it's worth it because I call it passing the baton because many, how many of us have lived a day like this? You wake up, you wake up in a bad mood. You snap at your partner, your partner snaps at your kid, your kid snaps at you back. Everyone <laughs> just keeps passing the emotional yeah. baton and you can live your life like that. Too. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So do you have, what advice would you give to a mom who is suppressing their emotions? Right. Yeah. Like they, they're very, they're, they haven't even started this whole yeah. journey. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great question. The first thing I honestly, like I like to start really slow and small. The first thing is understanding, can you, can you just listen to your inner narrators? Like, first of all, you got to figure out that you have one, you have someone in your head that's constantly narrating to you. It's like a radio dial. You can turn it up, turn it down, but you can't even be self-aware if you don't know that that thing exists. Right. So the next time something stressful happens, 
tune into that going, what is that saying to you? It's not bad. It's good. The one word I want you to think of is, can you change your self-criticism to curiosity? Way easier said yeah. than done because you've had 40, 50, 60 years of being self-critical. But is there a nugget of curiosity you can have in there? It's like, why did I react that way? And then answer this one question. What would that say about me? Right. What would that say about me if I didn't get the cupcakes in on time for the bake sale? What would that right. say about me if my kid forgot his library book for the 10th time? What would that say about me? Let's start really slow. Those are the couple of nuggets that I'd like to share. Okay. Yeah, that would help them really get to that core belief that's that's underlying. Yes, yeah, so, because exactly. that's what needs to get shifted. Absolutely. And it all comes down to, I call it the funnel of fear. Like if you think about the four basic emotions, fear, happiness, sadness, anger. Inside I, out right there. <laughs> I always say. Oh yeah, that's I'm right. Like, that's right. I'm like, yes. you, I'm like that inside out baby. I'm like, it's there. <laughs> it's there. I know it was so funny. My five-year-old was bawling at that movie. So we couldn't finish it. I don't know why he was so upset about it, but it was just it's like, a movie. <laughs> I know. it's a kind of a, that's a good prereq to, to watch too. But if you think about the funnel where you're pouring sand and seeing it come out for me, I strongly believe that funnel is encased in fear. Like every, when you really start asking the question, but why, but why, but why? I know for me, fear of being a failure. Right. Fear of sucking. And, and right. I say every day, it's Halloween for your fears. They just wear a different cloak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It just shows up in different ways. Right. If you right. think of bowling pins, your, your goal is to knock it down, like knock right. down your fears one by one, but you can't do it unless you know which they are. Exactly. You don't, you don't know what you got to find out what you're fighting against. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or what yeah. you're up against. So do you have any final advice as far as emotional literacy and all that we've talked about today? Yeah, I'll just leave you with a really simple acronym. You can find more info on my website or other podcasts that I've done too. And it's just N2S2. It's really simple, two N's, two S's. The first N is just to notice what's going in your body. Going back to your initial question, maybe that's the place to start for many for many moms is just to go, We're we, it's self-abandonment, right? We don't even know what's happening here. So is my heart racing, Is are my... Am I clenching my jaw? That's a really common one for a lot. And my shoulders up to my ears? Like, am I wearing them as earrings most of the time? Like, <laughs> well, what's happening? The noticing part yeah, yeah. is like the end. The second end is just give it a name. And often what you think is anger is not anger. It might be embarrassment. It might be guilt. It might be frustration. So what you, the emotion you lead with is often not the emotion that is left. So you yeah. have to actually that whole idea of name it to tame it, right? Give it the mm -hmm. right name because the way that you deal with anger and the way that you deal with embarrassment feels very different. Mm -hmm. um, the, then the next S, if it's two N's, then the next S is the story. What story are you selling yourself in your head? Because you're the one selling it to yourself. It's probably true, but do you want to believe all of right. it? Is it all true? Uh, but I always say you're the best salesperson you will ever meet because you will have convinced yourself that, you know, you are the overworked mom, you need more support, all might be true, but it, can you poke some holes in it? And the last one is shift, but you can't shift until you accept, Ex accept it even for a nanosecond how you feel, then you can move on. But the opposite of suppression is acceptance, right? Because if you accept, right. then you can let go. That's the dichotomy in all yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you come up with that? Yeah. And to us too. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's good. That's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I keep up for myself every day with three boys is an experiment in emotional intelligence. Yes. So I needed that. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by the Super Mom Detox, an incredible coaching program designed to help moms take off their super mom cape and feel comfortable in their own skin. Have you felt like you've lost yourself since becoming a mom because you got caught up in the idea that you have to take care of everyone and everything else and sacrifice who you are to be the kind of mom you want to be? The Supermom Detox will guide you in rediscovering who you are and getting yourself off the back burner and onto solid ground. This amazing program will teach you how to let go of perfectionism, people-pleasing, unrealistic expectations, unhealthy boundaries, and negative thought patterns that are keeping you stuck. Motherhood can be so much more enjoyable when you learn to take care of yourself the way you deserve. Stop feeling guilty or bad about making time for yourself. You are so worthy of taking up space. Find out more about the Supermoms Detox by clicking the link in today's show notes and signing up for a call with me. If nothing else, You'll get clear on what's keeping you on the back burner. Shana, what is um? What do you do for fun? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Zumba. <laughs> my <laughs> best friend drags me to Zumba sometimes too. Um, to be uh, cooking, I love cooking. That's my my thing too. And reading and nothing heavy. It's like chiclet. It's okay. like okay. super light rom com. Like don't give me any of the heavy stuff. That is what when you know it's, you know nine o'clock at night comes up, don't want to talk to my husband at all, book open, heating pad on, <laughs> that is my thing. So nice. <laughs> so what um do you have a book? Speaking of books, do you have a yeah, book I know. you could recommend? Uh reading them uh, actually I was listening to the audiobook of A Moment of Lift by Melinda Gates. Really okay. good. Really solid book. Love uh the what message. is that about? I've never heard of that. So it's all about well her uh, philanthropic work too. And it's really interesting as a physician, she talks a lot about that family planning and contraception as really a life-saving measure, not just for the woman, but for the community and the impact yeah. that I can have too in some of these African uh, developing nations too. So yeah, some of the things that we take for granted, right? Yeah. Something as simple yeah. as I can plan when I want to have kids. Like we take that for granted in the Western world. So many other places that is not their choice. And what is the ripple effect? What is the impact of that? So yeah, very cool read, especially as a woman. It doesn't sound like a light read though. No, no that's why it's the audio <laughs> the opposite, <book>. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly, totally. So yeah, it's a good okay. one. And then finally, where can listeners find you? Yeah, so you can come onto my website, drshahana.com. DM me on Instagram at the Dr. Shahana, LinkedIn, Dr. Shahana Alibi, and on Facebook, Dr. Shahana Alibi, all there. I'm always, always happy to hear from you. And hopefully uh, a book will be coming out in the spring. So excited about that. We'll be looking for that. So you can find all of Shahana's information in the show notes of today's episode. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. It was fun. Hey mom, short on time, but feeling like you're at the end of your rope or that your bucket is nearing empty? Grab this list of 15 self-care practices that you can do in under 15 minutes. These ideas will get you quickly back on track and are great for moms who are limited on time. I think that's most of us. So check out the show notes or go to momswithoutcapes.com backslash self-care-ideas 
to download your list today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.